and you're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. Thankful that uh, you are here, that you uh, mustered up, you've taken all the uh, necessary precautions and are uh, in the Lord's house this morning. I was so enthralled in uh, the lyrics and the words that um, we were singing about who Jesus is that um, I forgot to open my tablet, which I tried to have done before I come to this moment. And um, but no, no problem, I, I, I'm getting better. <laughs> it, it opened right up, so that's a good thing. It uh, really is amazing, and you know, uh, when you... When a pastor, a preacher, a teacher gets up to teach there, there's so many parts, there's so many dimensions, there's so much that, that can be said. And it gets, it's wide and it's deep and it's powerful and it's strong and there's no way to cover it at all. And, and uh, so, so I come to this moment and this morning... Like any morning when you handle the word of the Lord, it's so rich and it's so deep and it's so powerful and, and I feel so inept and so inadequate to try to, to proclaim the beauty of the majesty of, of what God is doing in salvation history through, through, uh, through the life and the person of Jesus, through the, uh, the action and movement of the Holy Spirit, um, through the love of the Father. I mean, how in the world uh, are, are you supposed to, 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 to deal with that and then... Um, so anyway, what we have to do, and then I have to be merciful too, because you can only, what is it, the, the, uh, the, the uh, seat of understanding can only deal with so long how the, the, uh, what you're setting on. Uh, so I have to be mindful of how long you can sit there, and I try to be mindful of that. But uh, so, having said all that, let me just launch into this thing, and uh, it's, I'm going to stay with the same text. You probably could stay with this text for a year. And, uh, and plumb the depths of just four verses of Scripture. I won't do that, but, but you could do that. So let's, let's begin. I want to read these words. These are powerful words. We don't know who the author is, but it's in Hebrews. Hebrews, the first chapter. I'm going to start with the first verse. And um, let's begin. In the past, God spoke. Now, see, I could leave this alone and go on and, but, but this is important. See, you've heard those words. And so it really doesn't ring a bell. It doesn't really resonate. It doesn't really cause a stir. But it really ought to. And so I'm, I'm stopping to, to make the point. God has spoken. He, and, and we could go on and, and, and name all the omnis and, and of all the characteristics of God. And, and, and He has spoken to you and to me. And so I know that you know that, but sometimes we hear something so many times it no longer resonates in our heart and our mind and our spirit, and we just go right past it. So I'm trying to pause and stop and dwell on that for a minute so that you will maybe give more earnest heed to what he has spoken. Because if God speaks, I mean, you, you, you saw the commercial when E.F. Hutton speaks, it's like when Jim Mabe speaks, you know, people listen. It's one and the same thing. Where you at, Jim? I was looking for him. Yeah. But anyway, so when God speaks, far greater than, than as, as much as we love Jim, or, or if you have E.F. Hutton as a financial advisor, when God speaks, 
we ought to pay attention. So, in the past, God has spoken to our ancestors through the prophets and many, in many, at many times and in various kinds of ways. And I always say, not always, but I say oftentimes, when someone is attempting to speak for God, to be very careful and, and don't think in any way of any kind of arrogance or, or high, haughty uh, kind of position because maybe God has given you a platform to speak for Him because He also, also uses donkeys. It's the word of the Lord, not the person that's speaking it. So, but God has spoken in many times and in various ways. I've listed two of them. The scripture lists two of these, But in these last days, 2,000 years ago, in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also... He made the world. God, and, and we have, and so now, you have, now you're dealing with the triunity of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all involved in creation. But the scriptures here, both John the gospel writer and the Hebrew writer says, <clears throat> Jesus is the one whom the Father used or worked through to create everything that is. So he also appointed the heir of all things and he who also made the universe. Some people worship the universe. I prefer to worship the one that created and spoke the, crea- the, the cosmos into being. The sun is the radiance of God. Jesus is the radiant splendor of God. Now I'm going to hammer away at some of this stuff because people want to chip away at the person of Jesus. Not so the writers of the New Testament and of the... Uh, so, so Jesus, the Son, is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact, exact representation of the being of God. That's very, very strong. Sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sin, sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became much more superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then the, the writer goes on to show how much more superior Jesus is to every other communication that God has used to speak to the world. Now God has spoken to you and to me. That's amazing. It's like David said in the Psalms, What is man that you are mindful of him? When you think of the concept, the term God, and what that means, and yet He speaks to you. Who are you? Who are you that God would speak to you? What is man that God would speak to us, that He would condescend, that He would come down, that He would lower Himself to speak to one such as you and myself? The prophet prophet Isaiah cries out, Hear, O heavens, hear, O earth, listen, for the Lord has spoken. I love, how many of you guys really just enjoy Handel's Messiah? Okay, I expect maybe one hand. But I love Handel's Messiah. Sometimes I'll just sit and listen to it. And I'll be enthralled in, 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 the, in the chorus and the words and the lyrics. And, and, and as, when I wrote those words down, I could hear uh, this, this phrase in Handel's Messiah, uh, uh, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. 
And it's a beautiful chorus. You can Google that. Just write those words down and Google it later. If you have any appreciation for choral music, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And what happens is, it says, uh, it, they pass this phrase around to the various uh, 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 parts of the choir. For the mouth of the Lord, the sopranos will say it, the altos will say it, the bass will say it, the tenors will say it. And then it'll end the, 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 the chorus. It's about two, two minutes and 40-some seconds, something like that. And it ends with a crescendo for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And because he has spoken it, it will come to be. No matter what anybody does, no matter what any nation does, not any government does, no matter what you do, if the Lord has spoken it, it will come to pass. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed because the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And that's why it will be revealed. Not because of who you are, not because of who I am, not anything that we have done, but because the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, it will be done. He has spoken, he has spoken, the writers say, that he has spoken in these last days through his son Jesus. There is not another revelation coming. Now I don't mean another word from the Lord. God speaks, and He speaks in the moment. In fact, and I mentioned last week, because the very same writer says, today, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. But listen, because He's speaking to you. It's an amazing thing that the God of heaven speaks to you and to me. So the writer says, He speaks. He doesn't scream and He hollers. He doesn't scream or holler. Sometimes He rattles the world. But he speaks in a quiet way. So even when he rattles the world, you have, you have the freedom to resist what he has to say. It's an amazing thing. He could easily subdue us all, but he chooses not to because of his great love. So neither Jesus nor the writers of the gospel, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, nor Paul allow for any other so-called revelation that fuller expresses who God is, notwithstanding what any other cult or any other organization or any other people or nationality or language would say, there is no other fuller revelation or revealing of who the Father is that exceeds the person of Jesus. In fact, I mentioned this last week, and it bears repeating because, man, we live in strange times and uh, if you pay attention to the news at all, we, you know we're living in strange times. But I think it's appropriate that the Apostle Paul said, even if a messenger comes from heaven, and, and if, you know, as, I mean, you think about the things that have changed just in the last 100 years on the planet. Think of the things that have changed just in the last 20 years as far as, as, as human beings able to communicate and technology and the advancement of it. It, it, it strikes me as not that far off when Paul says, even if a messenger, our English translation says an angel, but it simply means a messenger from heaven comes with a different word or a different gospel, other than what we preach to you, do not accept it. And he says that, and he says that in, the latter, in the latter days, there'll be such, such a deception that even the very elect of God would be deceived by it. So the delusion, the word, the wisdom of the world and of the demonic is very, very strong and very, very powerful. And so many, much of the world will be called away into the delusion. So Paul is warning us, do not accept another message or another gospel. Now this was 2,000 years ago he wrote this. 
Jesus says himself, recorded in the Gospels, watch out, pay attention, and let no one deceive you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And they will deceive many. And many will turn away from the faith. So, I mean, we're giving full warning. There are other voices speaking. In fact, when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and He is glowing, and his, 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 his entire body just glows like the sun, and the disciples are mesmerized, and they're, they're just taken aback with what they just saw. And Peter speaks up, you know, and he says, it's good that we're here. We'll, we'll build three tabernacles for Moses, Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. And a voice comes out of the clouds and says, and I'm paraphrasing, shut up. That is the actual word that was spoken. But that's the implication. Stop talking. This is my son. Listen to him. So, watch out. Now, I'm going to make a, a shift, and it's important. I'm going to try to tie this together, and I feel so inadequate. And I'm just, I just, last night I was going to bed and, and laying there on my pillow, and I was just praying. Lord, these things are too high for us. These things are too lofty. These things are too great for me to utter. So you're going to have to help. You're going to have to enable. You're going to have to do what I cannot do. And you're going to have to take the broken pieces of fish and bread and you're going to have to do some kind of spiritual work in our hearing and in my speaking so that we can kind of, in some way, kind of grasp what you're trying to tell us. So, there is a word that John, the apostle, uses, which you know and you've heard about many times. It is the word Logos. It is the word in, in John chapter 1 where it says, In the beginning was the Logos. Now what he did is he took a word that was quite readily understood in his age and in his time. In fact, if you do a little study on it, you find out that, as far as we can tell, Plato, about uh, not quite 500 years before Jesus lived, and Aristotle, his disciple, used it to try to teach a Greek philosophy that the Logos, because they looked around at the world that it was, and they were amazed of it, just as you and I are. And they, they tried to figure out, because they, didn't, they, didn't, they were not disciples of the Hebrew faith. They probably knew about it. They probably had heard about it, no doubt, because they were of men of, of books, and they studied, and so... They were trying to figure out how in the world does the world exist like it exists? Why does it stay together rather than fall apart? Why do, why does, why do the planets stay in, in order like they do? How can we count time and seasons in such precise order? Why do apple trees not sometimes produce pears? Why does the world, our bodies, as amazing as they are, why do they work? And when we have children, they come out like us. How, how does this all happen? And so they, they came up with a word to try to describe what sustained all this? How does this all stick together? And they came up with this word, logos. And so logos was this, this, uh, this philosophical idea that there was something impersonal. It wasn't personal, but something impersonal, like kind of gravity. There's something they recognize it with just the natural man. Just with the natural man, with general revelation, what we call general revelation. Like Paul says, even pagans, heathens can see by what is made that there is something there holding it together. For he has witnessed to himself all over, everywhere you look. 
So they, they did that, and, and they came up with this word. So it is the creating, sustaining, ordering, organizing principle that holds everything together. And they called that the Logos. And so there was a, a, a Jewish philosopher that lived, his name was Philo, who lived about, uh, he was born about 50 B.C., uh, about 50 years before Christ was born. And, um, and so he, he, is a, he was born in Alexandria, Egypt, just to throw a little bit of information at you, um, was born in Alexandria, Egypt, a Jew, a philosopher, a, a wise man. In fact, his writings are still around today. You can Google him. And um, he, he, he was very well aware of that concept. And so what he tried to do with his, his Jewish upbringing and, and belief system is tie together the, the uh, pagan worldview, um, and I probably didn't say that correctly, and, and try to make a connection. Uh, and he used Logos to try to, to, to tie together Jewish concept of God creating the heavens and the earth and, and Logos. And so he used that phrase about the time Christ was born. So that word is readily in use. It isn't like it just appeared out of thin air. So John, uh, obviously uh, a trained fellow, he, he, uh, he had associates in high places and, uh, uh, and, and was, was, was understood the word and he at least uses this word to try to communicate to a Greco-Roman world of who Jesus is and what Jesus is. So that's all we can do. We use language to try to describe heavenly things. We use language. That's all we have. We have language, and, we, and our language oftentimes falls short because how can mortal words describe the infinite? We do our best to kind of shoot at it. And, and, and oftentimes we, we miss the mark. So John uses that word uh, that is understood in his time to try to describe who Jesus is. So he writes this in, in John. Now we, we move from Hebrews to John because the first chapter of Hebrews and the first chapter of John are saying similar kinds of things. So John says, in the beginning, see Genesis says, he kind of starts off like Genesis, a... Uh, an indicative statement. I used that last year, last week. In the beginning, God. So that's what, that's what, that's what uh, ascribed to Moses in the book of Genesis, the very first words. So John takes in his gospel, in the beginning, uses the same formula, in the beginning was the Logos. So instead of using uh, Hebrew language or, or Yahweh or however he might describe it to in that time, he uses a concept that's understood in his time. Was this thing that you call logos, this thing that you call the ordering, creating, sustaining principle. In the beginning, that was. Now this is what he does. And the logos was with God. Now you know full well that then the English translators take that word and they translate it word not just because they were trying to figure up something, but that's what the word means. Logos means word. So the logos, the word, was with God, and the logos was God. Huh? The logos was, so, so now you have two dimensions. With God was God. So, and through him, now he moves to a personal pronoun. Now this is where it begins to shift. Because remember, the Greek concept was an impersonal 
sustaining, creating force, kind of like gravity. So, now they, okay, let me move on. So, the Logos was with God, the Logos was God. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, the Logos, the Word, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life... Now, these interplay of these words. Word, life, light. Word, life, logos, light, life. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. And the light, the logos, the Word, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot put it out. As gross darkness as it is, and boy, if you've been paying attention at all to the news, you know how gross dark it seems to be all over the planet. In fact, the, the, the writer, I think it's uh, Isaiah chapter 9, one of my favorite Christmas passages, those dwelling in the land of the darkness. And we all were once there. Once Every one of us were groping and roaming around in the dark. But the prophetic speaks in the moment, and it's a word called proleptic, meaning it speaks then and it speaks now. Those walking in the darkness have seen a great light. And that's powerful. And I just pray. See, see, I can't make that happen. I, I would like to, but that's not how God designed it. A light has dawned. But not everybody wants to look at the light because they like to rule their own world. They like to be kings of their own castle. They like to be rulers of their own life. So they don't look at the light. Because if they looked at the light, as Jesus said, they would see that they are wicked and evil. But they prefer, they prefer to walk on in their wickedness and evil. So they won't look at the light. Because if they would look at the light, it would dawn upon them and they would be drawn to the light. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, if you'll look, you can be saved. Because I'm a light shining in the darkness and I will draw you out of the darkness and out of the morass and out of the chaos and out of death and destruction. If anyone is thirsty for that, then come, he says to me, and drink of the waters of life. Logos, light, life. The word, light, life. It's said over and over again. Now, here's the astonishing thing. This is what would blow Plato and Aristotle, and well, not Philo, we'll just stay with Plato and Aristotle and, and, and the Greek philosophers, just blow their mind. This is what John goes on to say. And this logos, which is translated word correctly, became flesh. See, that could make a Nazarene shout right there. The word, the organizing principle, the sustainer, the creator of all things, it's not just an impersonal force that holds things together. It's a person. Became flesh. And took upon himself the form of the servant, Paul goes on to say. But this is the listen. The word became flesh. That's revelation. And we have beheld his glory. Remember the Old Testament promises, and I just, I just, I, I wanted to sing it to you, but I don't want to scare you. And, and I can't. And the glory, oh, there's another, there's another Messiah song. And the glory, the glory of the Lord shall be. That just put chills up and down your back? Yeah, I'm not so, not like that. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. 
the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Listen. And we beheld his glory. I'm just going to, just a, just a subtle little thing here, not to throw out, not to mess with anybody. But you know, like we come to church and, and we'll say something like, boy, there was glory all around. What we need to understand when we say that is not that there was some kind of something in the atmosphere that may give us chili bumps or holy bumps, as some people say, but Jesus was in the room. When we talk about the glory of the Father, it's the person and the presence of Jesus. We have seen his glory, and he's full of grace and truth. This is good stuff, and I'm hoping I can say it in such a way so you can hear. Listen, that which was from the beginning, going back to verse 1 of Genesis and of his own gospel, that which was from the beginning, the word, God, full of grace and truth, which, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and touched with our own hands. We proclaim, the con- we, we proclaim concerning the Logos, the word of life. And, see, when, and, and when I say that, I'm hoping your brain is engaged in your thinking because you know that we were born dead. We were born dead. We're dead in sin and in trespasses. We were born that way. Was I not shapen in sin and in sin did my mother not conceive me? See, we were born into a cursed world. We were born messed up creatures. So we come into this world and all you got to do, and it's an old adage, all you got to do is go to the nursery and see that little babies, uh, they want to fight and squeal and holler and defend and take and be selfish. It's just in us. So we walk around that way and and if the light of, of the gospel of Christ and the prevenient grace of God wasn't in operation in our life, and you're a part of that prevenient grace, by the way, by your teaching, by your singing, by your serving, by your being a Sunday school teacher, by waiting in the nursery and, and being kind to your neighbor, you're a being prevenient grace so that people walking in the darkness can see a light. See, Jesus said, well, I'm in the world. I was the light of the world. But now you're the light of the world. So we have an awesome responsibility. My life shines. Jesus said, don't hide your light. Set it on a pole and let people see and glorify your father. Not glorify you, glorify your father in heaven because here is a human being that's not messed up like I am. The word of life. So we use speech. Now, you guys are going to have to get round three on this, I'm afraid. So we use speech or words. Terry's not here, so I can say it. By the way, Terry's not feeling well today, so just say a prayer for, for Terry. Uh, so we use words and we use speech. Now, now, hold on. To call forth or to manifest or to bring forth our thoughts into the world. Now, don't get scared of that. <laughs> just hold on. So we use words to bring forth into the world our thoughts. Our thoughts are only that until they're spoken or acted upon. We use speech to reveal 
communion, fellowship, revelation, if you will. By our words and our actions, we reveal our thoughts and our mind and our heart. Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not what goes into the body that defiles someone. Jesus said it's what comes out of the mouth because what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. So far more important, what comes out of your mouth? And we beat each other up and others for what they decide to eat or drink. And we have good reason for that, especially when Vicky gets on me for eating donuts too many times or chocolate cake or pie or Coke or Pepsi or cheer wine. So there's, there's cause for that, and there's wisdom in that, and what you might drink. Jesus is not so quick to condone you on that, but he's very quick. He's very quick, like a sharp sword, for what comes out of your mouth, because that reveals who you are. And that is far more. You see, Jesus said, man looks at the outside, and they make judgments, and they cut each other up over outside judgments. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be that person. I wouldn't act like that. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't do that. And Jesus says, look at your heart. What kind of human being are you? The word is powerful. Your word. Please get receive that your word the words that come out of your mouth are very powerful and they shape the environment that you are going to live in and it would be bad enough if that was the case that would be bad enough that might be hell enough for some people it's not hell I'm just saying hell enough what's so bad about that is what comes out of your mouth spews out on everybody else. So not only is your life havoc, everyone around you has to live in that because of who you are in your being. Who you are in your being. And that's why the Scriptures are like a sharp, two-edged sword that cut. You see, I could deceive you. And it would take a while for you to figure that out. But if you hung around long enough time, you could go, well, what's that? What? What? No, what? what? Well, that, that's not right. You, you, you could eventually figure that out. Or likewise, me or you. You could deceive me for a while, but eventually who I am is going to be revealed. And likewise. And I went through all that, and I forgot my point of that. If anybody can help me. Your word is powerful, is what I was trying to say. So I'm trying to say your word is powerful. So powerful that the scripture writers say that your tongue, listen to this, hear it again like you never heard it before. Your tongue has the power of life and death. So you may want to excuse your mouth, but there's no excuse for it. Because it has a consequence. When the scripture says, my word will not return to me void. Guess what? Your word is not either. It will go out into the world, into the ears of someone. 
and it will have an effect. So be careful. I was going to say little mouth. It might need to be big mouth. What you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, mouth, what you say. So the commandment says this. See, so we have, so we have word or logos, light, and life. And the logos, which is the word and truth, line up. The word and the truth line up. Whatever the truth is, is in alignment with Jesus, with the Word, with the Logos. This is why in the very beginning, one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not, what? Shall not what? Well, that's true. That's true. That's the first one. Very good, David. But in, in, but in, but, but in, in relation to light, Word, truth, life, word and truth, the Logos and truth lining up. One of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not lie. So speak the truth. That doesn't mean you have to be brutal. Even Jesus could have just slashed and dashed anybody that confronted him. But he didn't. Because he was full of grace, and notice the order, grace and truth. So your truth, notice I said your truth. I hate that term. I have more to say about that in a minute. Truth, grace. Because you can just slaughter people to death and be truthful about it. And be so demonic in it. And it's not the Spirit of God speaking. It's your carnal heart speaking. Because it is not forborn, not born out of grace. So you just speak and slash and dash people. And rightfully so. Who lives such a life or has such a character and such a person that you couldn't jab at least once. I don't know anybody. So Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. There's not multiple truths. There is a truth. The definite article describes that. I am the way. You can go other ways. You can choose your own path. There are other routes. And there is the truth. You can claim your own truth, and there is a way that seems right to men, but the end of it is destruction. See, you can, you can make up your own truth. You can say, God, I don't receive your truth. I don't accept your word. I'm going to make up my own truth. I'm going to be my own word. And you will pay a terrible price for that. You do that at your own peril. You really do. All you have to do is look around you. You don't take my word for it. Just look around you. And you see the lives of those who have chosen their own truth and their own way. And look at their life. It's a mess. It's broken. It's distorted. It's scarred. It's marred. 
Only God could straighten it out. And, that, and God, in His grace, would take some time to do that. I got to have to stop because my time is running out. But. So the commandment, you shall not lie. And the reason, and I'll stop with this. I'd like to be more graceful than that. Or stop on, my, on a more positive note. But the reason is that you don't lie. Because listen to this, this is powerful. This is big. When you do that, You're not lining up with the way and the truth and the life. You know what you're doing when you do that? You step out of the light and you utter darkness. Think about that. You utter darkness. And when you utter darkness, you're not aligning yourself up with the Logos. You're aligning yourself up with the demonic. And these things are real. So, we are to speak the truth. So, speak the truth. Do it with grace. Now, let me lighten this up a little bit. Okay, so if you're, guys, if your wife comes to you and says, does this make me look big? Do you want to live or not? That's a time where you could say, you just gleam in my eyes. So you can say something else like, well, is a barn big? Don't say that. (laughs) Choose life. (laughs) Choose life. Listen. Wisdom is better than valor. So, all right, I'm going to have to I'll follow this up. I, I, I'm assuming eventually we'll get done. But these, these things are so deep. They're so profound. And you only have so much time to sit and listen. There is not another revelation that is going to exceed the person of Jesus. God will speak to you. Let me say this, and I'll... Well, go ahead and stand. Then I, I can't say more. And I'll, I'll come back to this, I guess, next week, Lord willing. I, I wrote this to my young'uns. Y'all know what young'uns are, right? I wrote this to my young'uns last night. The word you hear and the word you speak are profoundly important. I pray to God. Jesus said, my sheep follow all my rules. My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. Jesus stood on the great day of the feast and cried out, if anyone hears, if anyone hears, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. I can't do that for you. Only God, the Holy Spirit, can speak to you. And maybe you don't know what to say, but Samuel was only 12 years old 
when he, Eli, the priest, told him, when you hear him speak, say, Here am I, Lord. Speak, and your servant will listen. So, Father, your word is really, really amazing. It is so deep. It's so powerful. It's so strong. It's so enduring. It will endure forever. Heaven and earth might pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Help us to stand on your word because all other ground is sinking sand. Hear our prayer. Be with our people, both those present here in the building and those listening online. And we remember our world. It is your world. Be glorified in it. Through our lives we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.